Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to be um, together um, again. I'm really excited about today and about what the Lord uh, would say to us this morning. Um, we see all the empty seats, and we think of all of the women who are still at the women's retreat um, this weekend, and so we just uh, pray blessing over them as, as they are drinking deeply from the well uh, this weekend, um, so just to remember them. Uh, my heart this morning is extremely heavy, um, and being in with my family this morning is always like a salve. It's always like a, a medicine um, for, you know, for my, for my heart and, and for my soul. Uh, and before I pray for our word, I, I just want to ask that you would join me in prayer. Um, you know, on, some of you have seen it on my, my Facebook, but on Friday when I got to work about 8.30 and about 9.30, I in the morning, I hear a series of gunshots just outside of, of the place where I work, and um, so that whole thing unfolds, and uh, a man is killed on Friday morning at 9.30 in the morning, uh, just on the west side of, of the city. Um, but the, the heartbreaking part of that um, is that uh, on that morning, one of the girls in our program, a fourth grader, lost two men in her life. Um, she lost one that was killed, and she lost her father, who will now spend the rest of his life in prison for killing. And that breaks my heart. Because that's not the way that's supposed to be. That's not the way that's supposed to be. And it becomes so important when we listen to God's word that it takes root in our hearts. Because the enemy wants to have us as well. And I think we sometimes think that that's so far away from us. But it's not. And we have to be vigilant. We have to be alert. We have to be prepared. That enemy seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And if he can destroy the men in, in that young girl's life, he will try to destroy our families. He will try to destroy our marriages. He will try to destroy any sense of hope that we have. And so I'm always encouraged when we come together as a body of Christ and we listen to God's word and we participate in the things of Christ because those are the things that protect and they guard our hearts so that as the enemy attacks, all of his plans will be thwarted. That he cannot have victory where Jesus is dwelling. Amen? Amen. And so as we pray and as we dive into this word for this time, and I think it's, this word is, is just so applicable to where my heart is and, and what God wants to do. I'm just, I'm just so encouraged. And let me tell you how hard the enemy worked to not have this. Um, so this was Friday morning. This whole thing unfolds. Saturday morning, I wake up in just immense pain. And after hours of just not even knowing what's going on, go to the ER <laughs> in the Saturday morning, yesterday morning, um, and just to, anyway, discover that I got kidney stones and the whole thing. And I tell you what, the enemy did not want this word this day. So I'm going to ask that we um, be attentive this morning. I'm going to ask that we open our hearts 
to receive what God has this morning because I think that it is a word that is intended to go forth for such a time as this. Amen? So let's pray and let's just commit our time to the Lord. Lord God, once again we come. Once again we come with with our hearts wide open, Lord. God, we come with um, our arms wide open saying, Lord God, feed us. Give us what you want us to have today, Lord God. Impart your truth to us this morning, Lord God. Lord God, don't allow us to be the same that we walk out as the way we came in. God, I pray that you would give a fresh anointing to your children who will bring your word today, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that we don't just sit idly by on the sidelines, Lord God, but that we are engaged in what you want to do in this lost and dying world. God, empower us, embolden us, encourage us. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, for our children that are hurting, not just around the world, though it is in everywhere, as we're going to talk even about next week, but right just 20 miles away from where we are right now. There are hurting young people who are losing people in their lives. And God, we could watch it on the news like a TV show, Lord God, or it could drive us to our knees, Lord God. I pray that this reality of sin in this world would drive us to our knees, Lord God, because only you can defeat sin. So, Lord God, I just pray for this morning. I pray that though this mood may start somber, Lord God, that you would bring encouragement and hope through your word. In Jesus' name. So this morning, we are going to wrap up our series um, entitled The Living Hope that we've been going through for the past um, few months, um, our First Peter series. Uh, and so this is the last of those. We will finish the last oh, eight or nine verses um, from First Peter chapter 5. And as I spoke a couple weeks ago... Um, and I got a chance to invite Nathan to share with me. Um, I will not be sharing this word alone um, this week. And it's just really cool because it's really cool. Um, and so um, when that time comes, I will introduce our guest speaker who's going to come and help enlighten us a little bit. Um, but let me read, starting at verse 6, and then we're going to read through the rest of the chapter. It says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. And so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all who are in Christ. So this morning, we're really going to focus in on this idea of standing firm. And like I said, when we put this First Peter study together um, with Adam and Dave and I months and months ago, uh, there was no idea that what had it transpired just two days ago would have happened and this idea of standing firm would have become so 
extra real. I don't know if you could say it that way. Extra real to me. That when tragedy strikes and it comes and it's at your doorstep, sometimes it's, it's easy to be shaken. It's easy to be, to be moved, sometimes in the wrong way. It's easy to allow your anger and your frustration and your disappointment to take a hold as opposed to hanging on to the promises of God. And so I hope that as this has encouraged me this week, that this will encourage you and make you a little bolder in your stand for the things of God. Amen? I'm going to prompt you guys because I need some extra amens today. So it would really, thank you, that would really mean a lot to me. And so it starts, there's three points, and I'm going to give you the three points um, up front, and then we're going to kind of break each one down, and, and I have um, another young man who is going to, who's going to share uh, the first point with us. But the three points um, that we're going to look at today are, are really simple. One is be humble. Two is be alert. Three is stand firm. So from this passage, from the scripture, we're going to see where Peter talks to the church at that time who is undergoing intense persecution with even more intense persecution coming. And he gives these final directions before the end of this epistle, before the end of this letter. And there's a three points that I feel like he is telling the church at that time, the, the believers um, at that time, that he's also telling us today to be humble, be alert, and to stand firm. I think wrapping it up in three simple ways is, is an easy way for us to remember, at least for me. I always say I, I preach out of my own simple mind. Right? I, am, I am not the, the grand one with all the big words, though I, I try and I endeavor to be, um, but I just think very simply. I am one of those um, people that are just like, hey, just keep it simple. Right? I'm, that's, how, that's how I learn. That's how I receive things. Um, and so we're going to keep it simple. So a first point that is made in in this word is just simply be humble. It started in verse five where Adam spoke last week when it talks about um, in chapter five, verse five, it says to clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Then it says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. In two verses, he talks about humility and being humble three times, which means that we need to take account of that. If there's a repetition that many times in, in one small span, then that means, hey, ding, 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 everybody, I'm trying to tell you something pretty important. And so for us, we then have to say to ourselves, well, if he's talking about this idea of humility in the midst of this persecution and this suffering. I mean, the whole letter, you guys remember from chapter one all the way through the end, right, is about don't be surprised by these fiery trials that you are going through. Like on Friday morning, I was surprised. I don't know why I was surprised. Maybe I thought, well, that could never happen on a 930 in the morning, on a Friday morning in the middle of a busy street right in front of a school. Maybe that's what caught me off guard. But the idea that the enemy being at work and wants to destroy should not have come at any surprise. Yet it, it did. I'm still grateful that it comes at a surprise. Like I don't want to get to the point where I'm like, oh, <laughs> that happens every day. I don't ever want to be there. Right? But Peter said even so long ago, don't be surprised at the, at the difficulty you face, at the, at the sin that is rampant, that you are not going to be treated and loved the way you might think you should be uh, because these people are at odds with the God you serve. But in the midst of that, instead of saying, pick up your sword and let's fight, he says, be humble. We'll talk in just a second about this idea of humility and this idea of humbleness, but I'm going to bring up um, to share with you, and Jay, he'll need that mic right next to you. Uh, Andrew Oliver. Andrew is a, 
um, young man who had been part of Living Word Church before the, uh, we planted Hope Church. And so he and his family um, went to Hope Church and his dad and mom are here and Mark is one of the elders there at Hope Church. Um, and we have journeyed through life together for the last number of years. Um, and so I asked if he would come and share um, a little bit of what God has placed on his heart about this idea um, of what it means to, to try to, to, to live this very concept out. So we're going to get a little application, and then we're going to follow it up with some more of the word. Amen. You guys receive him as he comes. All right. Good morning. I kind of want to start with um, going over those verses again. Um, could we bring those up? I'm just going to read uh, 6 through uh, 10. All right. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. I just kind of wanted to read those again because I feel like we, me personally, I get to this point where I kind of miss the point reading it the first time around or I kind of forget what we're talking about. And I just wanted to read them again to just refresh our minds of what this passage is saying to us or these series of verses. And I can, I can really try, uh, draw a lot um, from this passage because, I mean, recently, or the past few months in my life have been some weird circumstances. And so through that, it's given me a little bit more insight to what this passage is talking about. You know, I can draw a lot from it because the past few months, it's been a weird up and down season. I mean, ever since uh, Japan, uh, which is, you know, what the uh, youth group here, we all went on. Um, ever since then, I, I came back from that. Right after coming back, I, I just was thrown into this season of just feeling defeated, and, and I just felt so down and destroyed, and I, I don't know exactly what inspired that or or put me in that position but I just I came back and I felt so defeated and you know it just carried on for such a long time um and honestly way too long of just this terrible season of just sadness and just self-pity um and it really came about in the time of recent uh August you know is really where I just I felt um, that season the most. I mean, so many things were just happening. I mean, some, some issues just with some close friends of mine, you know, just some sad things were going on around me. And I, I kept looking to these, these outlets and these things of just unsatisfying sources that just had nothing. There's no fulfillment there. And I just kept going to these places and I kept going to these things that just, there was nothing. It was void. And I, and I just went to it so much, and, and I, I got to this point, this breaking point, where I just, I realized that I just needed God again, you know, because I was in this point, I was in this season, I was just rejecting God, that he couldn't fulfill what I needed, that, that I was just, I came from this place of just this passion, just looking to God and just praying hard for these things, and I didn't see them happen because it was, it was really just, I wanted it to happen, I wanted God to do this thing. You know, it wasn't a need. Um, but things started to get better once that mindset started to change. Things started to get better for me. You know, I, I was looking at it more positively and not from this perspective of just negativity. Um, and so once I started to look at it more positively, things started to change for me a little bit. You know, I got a new job, and it was great. You know, it was paying me a lot more than what I initially had. I got this new car, and, you know, that's great. It was, it was 
a great time in life. My, my friendships, you know, the people that I surrounded myself with, it was just thriving, and it was, it was great, and I, and I loved it, and I was thanking God for these things. I'm like, thank you, Lord, for, for just blessing me with all these things. And then things started to take a little bit of a decline. I, uh, I crashed my car. Um, yeah, it was... Um, it was a really, really dumb mistake. It was, uh, it was a rough couple weeks coming from that because there was a little bit of embarrassment. I mean, it, it was completely my fault. And it was going to be something very hard to fix because I didn't have the money to fix it. I mean, I only had liability insurance. So I, I had to come up with the money for a car. And I was in a position where I really had no money to, to do anything about it. And in that season, I, I kind of felt this, this idea that God was testing me a little bit, you know, that, you know, this, this bad thing happened, but, you know, I just, I can't let go of that truth that I just need to hold on to God, you know, and The thing about the new job that I had, it was only seasonal. It was just a temporary thing. It wasn't a guaranteed position that I had there. Um, and so I, I was working hard. I was, I was trying my best to get this position at work. You know, I, I was trying to impress the boss, like, hey, you know, I'm useful here. You could use me. And I prayed hard for it. And I was like, God, I, I, I need this job. You know, I, I just pray that that you just provide a way for its work. And I, and I talked to my manager, you know, and I was like, hey, uh, I would love to work here permanently. You know, I don't know if there's a full-time, you know, position available, but I would love to be here permanently. And he told me that there, there wasn't a position. But he said he was going to have a meeting with his boss about budgeting and all that stuff. And so I was like, okay, here's, here's the hope right here after this conversation. Because I was going to see him the next day, and I was like, all right, here's the conversation that that that's going to decide what's going to happen with me. Um, and so I was praying for that, and I was just like, God, I just pray that you provide a way with all this budgeting stuff, uh, that you provide a way for me to work there. And I didn't get the job. You know, I, I unfortunately didn't get that job. And so I was thrown into this sequence of needing to job search again and needing to find something that, could pay well enough so I could figure out this money situation with, you know, my car, which I'm in a much better situation now. Um, even though that only happened like a month ago, I'm, I'm in a much better situation now, and God has really been um, providing, you know, great things through this stressful season. Um, and, I, and I did find a new job, and I'm actually starting it Monday, and I'm, I'm yeah. Um, and I, I praise God for that. I mean, it, he really provided this opportunity for me that I think there's more of a future there than anything else. Um, and so thinking about that, I, I want to bring up a verse. It's uh, Luke 12, 25. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? And <laughs> this verse, I, I kind of had it in my mind because I've brought it up to so many people. You know, it's, it's amongst my peers, it's kind of a popular thing to worry and be anxious, you know, and, and just thinking about, you know, in, in those series of verses that we're talking about, casting your anxiety onto God. I mean, I really just thought about this verse of like, I mean, where are you going to get if you worry? You know, so just give that to God, you know, because, I mean, really, we, we can trust him, you know, and I, I was in the season of just rejecting God, thinking that he couldn't do what he promises he'll do, what he says he's going to do in these verses, you know, and I was just in the season of just rejecting that idea and, and getting, out that, getting out of that idea. But now I'm in a place where I'm encouraged, and I, and I just need to hold on to that truth that God's going to take care of me, that I can trust in him to provide a way for me. You know, because Peter is telling us that 
throughout life, we're going to face these hard times, these rough seasons. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. But we just got to trust God to, to take us out of those seasons, to bring us out of those things into something better, into something greater, and eventually out of this life into something amazing that we can't fathom. I want to give just those stressful situations to God because when I try to hold on to it and try to do whatever I think is best with it, it, it doesn't go anywhere good. You know, and so if I give that to God, he can do something infinitely better than anything I ever could. That's something I, I, I do want to mention um, before transitioning to the last thing I want to say. Um, I don't really want to overlook the enemy through this. Um, you know, and really just thinking about what Andy shared, you know, before me coming up here about, you know, what happened Friday with um, this girl and those two figures in her life. I mean, that's awful. And it's just saddening to see things like that happening. And you can just see the enemy working in those situations. And I could see him working in these past few months in this season that I'm in. I can just see him creeping in, slithering his way in. I can see just even this week before coming up here that he's working, trying to pull me away and trying to drag me down so I don't come up here and, and, and say something this morning. You know, I really feel that the enemy is just, just at work and I just see it. And, and I don't want to forget how he does have influence and how he can creep in. And so I, I don't want to lose that point or forget that point. So I just just want to go to, to Andy's point of just being alert, you know, being aware that he's there and, and just creeping in to try to stop us and prevent us from what God is calling us to do. Um, so I, I just want to, you know, kind of backtrack a little bit and go back to what I was initially talking about and just trusting in God. Um, because I, I thought I needed the job that I had, you know, because it was a great position. You know, I was getting paid pretty well for, you know, this part of life that I'm in. And so I thought I needed this job. People told me I needed this job. And I was like, yes, I just, I need this job. And I was praying for it because I thought I needed it. But the truth is, I, I, I didn't. I, I came to this realization after a little bit of time that <laughs> I didn't need this job. I needed God. That, that's what I needed. Yeah. I can also um, recognize my, my own arrogance. You know, I, I have a tendency, and it's, it's quite often that I find myself in a situation where I'm arrogant, and I think that I'm better than most, that I'm smarter for some reason. And it was, it was humbling to find myself in a season where I didn't have it figured out. You know, I didn't know what to do. And God just came in and he humbled me. You know, that I can realize now that, God, I'm, I'm nothing without you. I, I don't... I don't have anything without him. You know, every, every breath that I, that I have, every, every thought that I have, it's, it's from him. He's the source. And so this is just this constant thing that I just got to remind myself of, of just, God, I, don't, I need you. I don't need these earthly things. I can't fall into this trap of where I just, I get selfish and it's all about what I want and all about what I think it ought to look. And I just, I got to get out of this mindset and what, what I'm thinking, but just give Give that focus and that attention to God because it's about him and he's what I need and he's everything. God is just everything. Father, forgive me of my arrogance, 
of those times that I, I thought, I didn't need you. That really wraps up what I kind of felt I needed to um, present today. Um, so I, I'll invite Andy back up, but thank you for your, your time and thank you for listening. I said it two weeks ago, and I'll say it again, that it is so important that our young people find their voice and their ability that, that what God is doing in them does indeed matter, and it does indeed have effect. And their struggles in their life, though they're not 30-plus years old or whatever, are still real and are still valid, and we can all learn from them. Um, so thank you so much, Andrew, for being vulnerable before us, for, um, for sharing. Um, about God, how God um, had to humble you. And I think it was, it was beautifully said. Um, so let me, in our few remaining moments, let me walk us through as we kind of continue to look at these three, these three things with just some, some quick scriptures. You know, when we talk about, um, you know, the pastor talks about us being humble, and we got a great example of that from Andrew, and it talks about humble yourselves, therefore under, under God's mighty hand. And this idea of humbling, um, we know it well. Um, John 13 talks about humility in this way. And I think this is probably the best um, example of it that we are to embrace in our lives. It says the evening meal was in progress and the devil was already, had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped the towel around his waist. After that, he poured a basin, a water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he has wrapped around him. In verse five, it talks about clothing ourselves with humility. That's what clothing yourselves with humility looks like. It looks like washing the feet even of your enemies. I mean, around that table, Jesus washed the feet of those who would betray him, those who would deny him, those who would abandon him. Yet and still, he served them. That is walking in humility. That is humbling ourselves. That is what Peter can say to in the middle of these sufferings and this whole letter on persecution and difficulty and trial and these fiery, these fiery trials that are going to come against us. And he says, our weapon is to humble ourselves. It is not to return fire with fire. It is to return fire with love. It is not to go blow for blow. It is to take the blow and return it with honor. It looks like washing the feet of your enemies. But then it says about being under God's mighty hand. And that's not like a heavy handedness that we think of when we think he says, you know, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. And this mighty hand is not a hand of oppression. It's not a, a hand of, of heaviness that, oh, this God is lording over us and I can't breathe because he's, you know, no, it's, it's indeed just the opposite. Let's look at Exodus chapter 13, verse nine. And it says this, this observance will be for you like a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead that this law of the Lord is to be on your lips for the Lord brought you out of Egypt with his mighty hand. So his mighty hand is not a hand of oppression. His mighty hand is a hand of deliverance. So he's saying you can humble yourselves, right? You can take the, the posture of humility. You don't have to take the posture of, of violence and retribution and I gotta get back. He says, I've got the mighty hand. I'll take care of that. So what you get to do is you get to be humble. You get to, to clothe yourself in humility. You get to, to be a person who doesn't, again, return fire with fire, but you get to be humble before a mighty God who will take care of you. I mean, we know particularly about humility 
Adam talked about it last week, Philippians chapter 2. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then it says, which is who kind of the next point that Peter says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And that's what he says. Humble yourselves for under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. It is not our own job to lift ourselves up. It is not our job to to puff our chest up and to try to be something that we're not or to get people to look at me and and look at how important I am and and look at what I bring and, and hey, everybody recognize me. Now, he says, in humility, just do what God has called you to do. And in due time, he is the one that will lift us up. He is the one that will exalt us. He is the one that will get us to that better place. I love Andrew's story because that's it. He thought he had this job. He thought he did enough to impress the the bosses around him that they were going to say, yep, we want you to stay on. This was temporary, but we want this to be a forever position. And he didn't get it. And there was nothing he could do but God, right? But God. And now he finds himself with another job that may even be better than the one that he just lost. But often we try to assert ourselves and we try to do all these things. And God says, no, just be obedient. Just be humble. Just love me. Just serve me. Just care about people. Just do those things. I will take care of the exalting work. I did it for my son and I will do it for you. But he says us to be humble. And then he tells us that we have to be alert. And it says here, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to desire, to devour. It's a good word, prowling. The enemy prowling. Because that means that he's active. He's not waiting. He's coming after. He's he's not kind of just, we kind of got this little, this view of like sitting and cut, kind of waiting for you to come around the corner. No, he is actively pursuing you. He is following you. He's waiting for that moment of weakness when he can strike, when he can throw an accusation, when he can throw something your way, when he can get a foothold, he will take it. So then how do we stand? What do we do, right? How do we be alert? How do we keep our our eyes and ears open? And it's just such a simple, simple reality. We need church. I'm gonna say it again for the millionth time. We need to be students of the word of God. This book has to have value to us to the point where we open it, not just when it comes up on a screen on Sunday morning. I pray that we are all there, but if we're not, let's start with a minute. Because the way to be alert, the way to have our minds be clear so that we can see where the enemy is coming in is we're always then, if we're open his word, we're weighing where, how we're living against the word of God. And we begin to see areas in our life that just don't quite match up to this. And so now we're able to say, oh my goodness, God, give me the strength to be patient because this is a situation right now where I'm just not feeling very patient. I don't want to wait. You're taking too long. Or he's saying, you know what, don't fight evil for evil. Sorry for throwing papers all over the place. Right, but we fight evil with good. But unless we know God's word, unless we know the truth of his word, that is when the enemy will come in and try to get us believing or thinking something completely different. I mean, we know how the enemy came at Jesus right after he had fasted for 40 days. He tried to take the word and literally throw it at him in a wrong way. And Jesus was like, wait a minute, the word says, man, don't live by bread alone. He was able to respond to the enemy with the word of God. But unless we know the word of God, unless we understand the truth of the word of God. You know, it's funny, on Friday, that morning that this whole thing went down, our organization was gearing up for our prayer summit. Twice a year, we bring all of our staff together and we meet together. We have a time of worship and we have a time of prayer. And it was for two hours. 
And so we had Visible Music College came to lead and Grant was there and Cam and Lacey Blonde and we had, we had this whole team that was there and all of a sudden I just remember having to yell out, get down, get down, get away from the windows, they're shooting. And that was not the way we thought that prayer summit was gonna begin on Friday morning. But I will tell you something. The depth of prayer that went forth on Friday morning as a result of what the enemy tried to do to destroy everybody's hope and everybody's security, I tell you what, it made us more alert that we know that there is a real enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So now we are more vigilant. I know for myself, I am more vigilant in how I pray for our kids. Because the reality is I work on the west side or the south side and then I will get in my car at the end of the day and I will drive back to Lansing in some relative security. Now we just had a little shooting right over here at Golo Station on Thursday before that. So I guess there really is no such thing as real security. You know, God's gotta be everywhere because things happen. But I can drive away. Our kids cannot. That is their life whether they want it or not. I don't know why we get to be so blessed that we don't have to call those areas our home, but we have to recognize and we have to be alert and we have to be clear-minded that there are people who are living in situations that are difficult. We're gonna talk about it next week about people around the world that there's more slaves on the earth today than there's ever been in the history of our world combined. Those things have to move us so that we can be alert and we can be clear-minded knowing that this very real enemy is not only again out there and around the world, but he wants to destroy even this church. He wants to divide us. He wants to cause us to point fingers at one another, to gossip, to not love each other. And we have to be alert we have to see and know and recognize that the enemy is prowling and he does want to destroy. But it says for us to resist him and to stand firm. How do we do that? Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, and I'm gonna be closing up. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the, evening one, of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. And then verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. How do we stand firm? We have to put on our armor, church. We have to put on our armor. And what I love, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but what I love about this idea of, of putting on your armor, but then it says, then stand. You ever read that part? Put on the armor and stand. Then say put on the armor and then go for the attack. Go for the jugular. You know? All right, everybody, we got our armor on. Charge! He says put on the armor and then stand. Why? Seems kind of weird to me. Because we're not the ones fighting the battle in the first place. Our, our being ready, our being fitted with truth, with righteousness, with readiness, with this faith, right? This salvation and the word of God is because it is when we have those things that we realize that we don't actually have to do any of the fighting. 
It is when that truth is real in us that we know that God fights for us. We just have to be humble, be alert, and stand. And stand firm. I mean, he's telling the people, he's telling Peter as he's writing this letter, that's exactly what he's telling him. He goes, this suffering is going to come. It is going to be bad. There's, there's nothing you could do about it. You are in opposition to the powers that be because of the name that you bear as Christ followers. So he's saying, don't try to take on the government. Be alert, be ready, stand firm. Many of them probably ended up losing their lives. There are Christians all over the world who lose their lives for the sake of the gospel. But it's okay to live as Christ, to die as gain. And I know it's hard. It's hard for me to say it. But I think any day that I go to a gas station or go to my job in order to bring the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to young people that are living in situations that it should not be. And I am compelled more than ever to do that with full boldness and full intentionality that God, should it be my last day, then so be it. Because it is so vitally important, God, that your word goes forth. It is so vitally important that our communities know the truth of the, Jesus, of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is so important, church, that we embody and embrace the gospel of Christ. Because the difficulty will come. You will face it, old or young. And I will finish with Peter's words here. It says in verse 12, says, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. That this word that Peter wrote, to stand firm, to not give up, to hang in there, that you are going to be an enemy, but it is okay because God is fighting the battle for us. We just need to be humble. We just need to be alert and of sober mind. We just need to stand firm. And in doing so, in doing so, word of God, this faith that we hang on to even to this day, being still Christ followers, will continue to move on and will continue to allow people to be affected years and years and years from now until Jesus returns. So I am grateful that there were those who stood firm back in Peter's day. I am grateful, even in the midst of King Nero and all the difficulty that they went to, they held fast to the living hope who was Christ. They knew that one day they will be exalted so they didn't have to worry about exalting themselves. And they stood firm so that today I could tell you, church, we must stand firm. Because our children and our great-grandchildren, our great-great-grandchildren, should the Lord tarry, will be standing firm because of our faith. We have a role to play in this grand story. It's his story, but it's our story as well. Let's play our role well. Let's embrace God's word. Let's be humble. Let's be alert and let's stand firm. Amen? Stand with me this morning. So, Lord God, we just thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your call to us through this entire First Peter study that we've done over these last couple of months, Lord God. That we have a living hope. It is you. How amazing is that? 
And as such, we then can stand firm in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of our disappointments, in the midst of our sadness, and even in the midst of our sin, that we can stand firm, that you will make all things right in due time. God, that as we humble our hearts before you, God, that your word tells us that in due time, you will exalt us. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that anyone who is, who is battling right now and who's, who's fighting the, to say, I've got to be heard, I've got to be seen, I've got to be whatever it might be, Lord God, that you would just speak to them, peace be still. God, that you are the warrior for our souls. That you are the one that takes up the mantle for us. That as Andrew said, we just need to trust you. We just need to hold tightly to you that there is nothing that we need more than you. God, it's easy to say it, Lord God, but I pray that our hearts would truly be able to embrace that reality. And so, God, I pray that as we go from this place, Lord God, that we would continue to wrestle with what it means in our lives to be humble before you. What does it mean to, to wash people's feet, even in the, the feet of our enemies. Lord God, what it means to be alert and to be in your word, to know that where the enemy is trying to, to get into our lives and to try to throw us off track, that we would be aware and we would be vigilant and that our prayer life and our devotional life would be just so on fire, Lord God, that the enemy won't have a window or a door to get into. Lord God, I pray then that we would be, that we would be able to stand firm. Lord God, knowing that you are the one who fight for us. But when we put on our full armor, Lord God, we are able to stand against the wind and the waves that are trying to push us down, trying to get us off of, of center, which is you, Lord God, but that we will stand firm. God, that you will fight for us. God, make that declaration clear to us, Lord God. I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice will know the truth of this, Lord God, and that this truth will indeed set them free. Lord God, I pray that if anyone in this place right now, Lord God, is, is struggling, God, that they would come forward for prayer. Lord God, that we would be a praying church. So God, again, I thank you. Thank you for Andrew. Thank you for this opportunity that we had to be together. God, be with us and keep us in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone have a blessed, amen. Have a blessed week. If there's anyone that needs prayer for anything, um, Jay and I, Michelle and um, Joyce, Bill, any of us will be here and be willing to pray with you. Otherwise, don't run out if you don't have to. Uh, please stick around and enjoy some coffee and donuts and some fellowship.